The first round of the 2021 NFL Draft in the books. It's early morning on a Friday. I got a beat writer's round table. Daniel Popper, The Athletic, Gil Manzano, Southern California News Group, and Jeff Miller, LA Times. Gentlemen, the Chargers, we've been talking about offensive tackle for the last four months. Uh, I, I think they got their guy, Rashawn Slater. A, a surprising pick in that I didn't expect Rashawn Slater to be there, Jeff. Yeah, I think uh, everybody, Chargers included, uh, in their draft room were, were kind of getting a little edgy, I would suspect, right before that. Uh, yeah, it, it, this thing worked out about as well as the Chargers, I think, realistically could have expected. They got uh, the, the tackle that I think a lot of mock drafts, a lot of us have been talking about Slater. A lot of a lot of mock drafts had Slater uh, falling to them. Not I shouldn't say falling, but getting to them at, at uh, 13. And it, and it worked out perfectly for the for the team. But, yeah, I, I would suspect uh, you never know in these drafts what teams are going to do. And as much as uh, everybody figured the Cowboys were going to take defense that on that 12th pick, there had to be some uncertainty uh, in that in that Chargers room, and I'm sure they were they were delighted when uh, the pick came in, and they knew that uh, Slater was going to be waiting there for him. Gil, when the 49ers took Trey Lance, you thought to yourself, okay, I don't know if Mac Jones is going to be in those top 12 picks, which means Sewell and Slater would likely be top 10 picks. So what was going through your mind watching kind of the top 12 play out? Because you talked about Micah Parsons with us. Last week, he was the pick right before the Chargers selected. Yeah, that, that was kind of a surprise as well. Michael Parsons going 12 to the to the Cowboys. But, you know, everybody assumed the Cowboys are going to take a cornerback. You know, J.C. Horner, Patrick Sertan, but Horner and Sertan went uh, eight and nine. So I think that's when the when the draft flipped. And when I saw the Panthers take a cornerback, I started thinking, OK, there's a chance that Slater could be there at, at, at 13. And then you see the, the Bears trade up for Justin Fields at number 11. Okay, now it's starting to really fall for the Chargers. And the last obstacle was number 12 with the Cowboys. Because the Cowboys, you know, are getting older on the offensive lines. You, you start thinking maybe Slater could be there. And yeah. then once, you know, Slater was there at 13, I start wondering, okay, it's right there for the Chargers. You know, don't mess it up. You know, make the pick. <laughs> you know, you know, hurry up and get Rashawn Slater, and it all worked out for them. Very confident, Gil. <laughs> <laughs> don't mess it up. <laughs> Popper, I'm, I'm paraphrasing Tom, but, but he said something to the effect at his presser after the draft that around eight, they had a pretty good idea of how the next few picks were going to shake out. And, you know, we talked about maybe you trade up for a guy like Sewell or Slater. They were able to stick and pick at 13. Yeah. So, you know, the, the pick that for me that really changed it was was five with the Bengals and everyone expected them to go chase. But once they went chase, it sort of shifted the tackle market back. Right. So then yeah. the Lions at seven, you know, you're sitting there thinking, OK, can the Chargers move up? Justin Fields was still on the board. What's that market going to shake out as, you know, how much is it going to cost to move up? But obviously they felt like if at 13, they were going to get a good player regardless. And they were sitting there hoping that that Slater would fall to 13. Um, you know, Vic Fangio out in Denver, defensive coach. They already signed two cornerbacks this offseason. They bring in another cornerback. Obviously, they felt like like Vic Fangio was going to focus on defense and try and add more talent there. Um, and then, as Gil said, um, the trade up with the Bears going to get Justin Fields, that sort of changed everything. And the Cowboys were still there. You know, a team could have traded up to 12. You know, I think Brandon Staley said that last night, you know. I think they, they pretty much knew that the Cowboys were going to go defense. Their defense was not good last year. They need help there. But the Jets had some capital, and they ended up moving up to 14. They probably could have put a package together to move up to 12. They felt like Slater could slide in that guard for them. They really need help at guard. 
Um, it was a dream scenario. It worked out perfectly for the Chargers. And I think the key point here is that they're bringing in a player who is polished, who is a technician, as he said, he called himself. He's going to be ready to play from day one. Um, he's an elite athlete and an elite processor. And his ability to understand fronts, to understand what defenses are doing to him, to understand angles. These are all the things the Chargers talked about last night. They needed a plug-and-play guy at left tackle, and they got it. And it's absolutely enormous because you start looking at this offensive line, right? Slater. It's coming together, isn't it? Abushi, Bulaga. You know, there's always the caveat if they can stay healthy, but they have some depth there too. Like if Bulaga does get injured, Byler can kick out to right tackle. Um and Slater could move to guard. You got Trey Pipkins. That's the backup tackle. If you get another guard here today, which I'm sure we'll get into, all of a sudden you've got some depth. You've got some flexibility. You've got talent. To me, this is the most talented offensive line they've had in Tom Telesco's tenure as GM. Jeff, obviously that game against Chase Young put Rashawn Slater on the map in, in 2019. He had 37 career starts for Northwestern. Actually blocked for Justin Jackson as a true freshman as Jackson went on to become Northwestern's all-time leading rusher. But, uh, you know, you talk about opting out of the 2020 season. He worked with Duke Bannyweather, the offensive line expert, and he went through eight months of workouts, 200-plus uh, workouts. Uh, Duke put this on his Twitter, 242 days, 35 weeks. Uh, to be able to, to get that tutelage, to get NFL ready, uh, what kind of impact do you think that that's going to have on him entering this offensive line room here in Los Angeles? It can only help when you have a guy who has uh, has the talent that uh, everybody says that he has. I say that because I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and say I've watched a lot of tape on this guy. I haven't, but everybody talks about his his skill level and his athletic ability, you know, coming from a, an athletic family. He's got his father played in the, NF, uh, the NBA. So, uh, you, you know, you take that work ethic and you combine it with that talent and the, and the potential that's there and, it's it certainly under, it's understandable why he was a, a considered one of the top uh, offensive line prospects. And, it, it, you know, that that's uh, you know, he talked about last night being in better shape than he's been, being leaner than he was. And he said last night he, he's a better football player now than the last time he played. And for a guy who didn't play this season to say that if he really believes that and if it's true, it's a it's a great sign for, for the Chargers. And there's no reason to. As Daniel said, there's no reason to, to not think that this uh, has the potential to work out great for the Chargers because this guy, it, I think it's it's very easy to to make the case that after Trevor Lawrence, that pick at 13 was probably the most no-brainer pick there was. He was the guy the Chargers needed. Yeah. He's the guy they wanted. It's a spot they needed. So I, I, I think, you know, there's – you look at the package the Chargers are getting in this guy, it, it really was truly – an easy pick once that he was there and they were on the clock. I found it interesting, Gil, uh, during the call, Brandon Saley gets on the line with Slater and says, hey, we're going to be a, a line of scrimmage football team. So we talk about protecting Justin Herbert, but also the ability in the run game to block for guys like Jackson and Joshua Kelly and Austin Eckler. Uh, this is a guy who, who excels at both. Yeah, and you heard Tom Telesco mention it a couple months ago. They weren't efficient in the running game. And all these moves that they're making, people say, for Justin Herbert. No, it's for Austin Eckler as well, Joshua Kelly, Justin Jackson. So, you know, bringing a guy like Rashawn Slater who could also play in, in the inside, he has that, that nasty streak. He has a nasty attitude. He finishes plays. And I feel like you really need that when you when you need run, you want run blocking. 
And I, and I asked him, like, you know, are you always that intense? Because there was a video, he went viral. He's like, he's weightlifted at his pro day. He's mm, like, hey, I could, flip, I could flip that switch when, when I need to. He's really nice off the field. But when you see his tape on the field, he has that mean streak. And I think for the Charger, for Charger fans, they're really going to like that. Pop, he gets to go against Joey Bosa every day, too. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that, that's crucial to, to have that kind of talent to go up against in practice. And I mean, Chenin Uosu is no slouch either there at, at edge rusher. And, and, you know, you can bet that they're going to add somebody else in this draft. Um, but just going back to what, what Gil was talking about, you know, it's very clear that when Brandon Zilli took this job, he looked at the roster and said, we need to get better on the offensive line. I, if I'm going to be the head coach of this team and we are going to be successful, we need not just an average offensive line, not just a serviceable offensive line. We need a good above average borderline elite offensive line. That is how we're going to dictate games. We're going to be physical and we're going to come out on the field with some dudes up front. Yeah. I mean, that's what he said. We need some guys that we can rely on. We want to walk on the field and feel like we got some nasty, aggressive, strong guys up front that are going to dictate tempo and that are going to be physical in the run game and in pass protection. And they've gone out and they've succeeded in overhauling this offensive line and both Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco deserve a lot of credit for making that happen this offseason. It's a heck of a room, too, with a guy like Lindsley and Filer, Abushi, Bulaga, guys who have been in the trenches for a long time in the NFL that he can soak up some knowledge from. Hey, before we get to rounds two and three and what the Chargers may do, I just go around the horn. Jeff, just biggest surprise or takeaway outside of the Chargers pick in the first round. A lot of drama yesterday. Uh, yeah, it, it was. I, I, and it started with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing before the draft even began, right? That was, yeah. we all thought that was going to be upstaged it. that, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing for the Broncos or maybe the 49ers or, uh, still so might happen. It, it still could happen. That's right. But yeah, the, uh, Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos, how interesting would that have been? But, uh, yeah, there, um, you know, a lot of people, the, it, it's perfect. You know, Gil mentioned it. And I think what, uh, to say it another way, the Chargers didn't try to outthink themselves with this pick. I mean, they went with the obvious pick that everybody would have made. But then you look at like with, what the Raiders did uh, with taking the offensive lineman Leatherwood from, uh, from Alabama. A lot of people now are saying, like, what in the world is that? Uh, so that might be an example of a team. That, that was surprising. That might be an example of it of a team surprise, John Gruden, who maybe thinks he's smarter than everybody else and try, maybe outthought it, but that's what the Chargers definitely did not do. They did not outthink themselves with their pick. I'll say this, the, the Raiders have not listened to any of the media mock drafts over <laughs> the last few years, that's for sure. They do not, Gil, no. Gil, what about you? I'll, I'll give you a little bit of both. I, I was a little surprised that J.C. Horn went ahead of Patrick Sertan because all you heard throughout the offseason that Sertan was the best cornerback in this draft. So when he went up raid to, to the Panthers, I was a little surprised. But the other one for me was Mac Jones going to the Patriots. Everything you heard from, from you know, the national reporters and the smoke screens and the rumors was Mac Jones going number three to the 49ers. I didn't really buy that ever, but it didn't come to fruition. And for the Patriots, it was it kind of fell in their lap as well, kind of like with the Rashawn Slater pick with the Chargers. Mac Jones was there at 15. They didn't, need, they didn't need to trade up. So I'm curious to see how Mac Jones does with the Patriots. Yeah, sometimes patience is the, the best thing you can have in the first round. And I, I use that example with the Chargers, just kind of sticking and picking the 13 and getting your guy. Popper, what about you? Okay, so I, I need to rant about this Raiders <laughs> thing because it makes – it's every year. If every single year you make a pick it and really the entire is. world – and the entire world's like, wow, they really reached on that one. Maybe you're doing something wrong here. 
Like it's one thing if you're if you're reaching on every first round pick and winning Super Bowls, but you're mediocre to bad every year and you're reaching on every pick. Time to reevaluate the process there in Las Vegas. All right. Okay. There's the rant. The other ones that surprised me, um, I mean, the Bears trading up for Fields, man. That's yeah, a big deal. Going I mean, for it. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy already had their shot with Trubisky, and they're getting another shot on a, on a franchise quarterback, which you don't see very often. Um, they got to get that one right. But personally, I think Fields is going to be great. I mean, I think a lot of the times these teams are just overthinking the quarterback stuff. I mean, it's a crapshoot anyway. But if the kid goes out with broken ribs and beats Clemson, like, he's a ball. He's a gamer. You don't overlook yeah. it, right? I mean, everyone did the same thing with Justin Herbert. Oh, leadership issues, whatever it was. It was all BS, right? The guy went out and won the Rose Bowl. I mean, he ran for three touchdowns. Like, don't, over, don't overthink this, right? So I thought the Bears trading up for fields. I like that one, but it was it was definitely surprising. Love everyone. The Kadarius Tony picks of the Giants is weird. Like, they have Sterling Shepard. They signed him to an extension. They're, you know, they got Barkley. You're going to take, you know, touches away from him. There's some overlap there. So I thought that was weird. I thought if they were going to go receiver, they should go in a different direction. But they really needed an edge guy. And Quiddy Pay was right there. And then he ends up going to the Colts, which I thought was a great fit. So those are, And then uh, Peyton Turner I thought was a bit of a reach, the Saints pick. But, you know, it's hard to, to knock the Saints. They're, they're pretty good at drafting and team building there in New Orleans. Yeah. And uh, a lot of good players on the board in rounds two and three. Chargers with three selections. Pop, I'll stick with you. We'll go around the horn. Just a couple of guys that Chargers fans should be on the lookout for, maybe in that second round, and then a pair of third rounders. Yeah, so 47. I'm with Jeff. I think it has to be a corner. Um, I mean, Asante Samuel is the name to watch. Asante Samuel Jr., I don't know if he makes it to 47, um, but he's a guy with great instincts, great ball skills, inside-outside flexibility, so he makes a lot of sense for the Chargers. They might have to trade up to get him, but they have that extra capital in the third round. Say they give up 97 to move up from 47 to 38. I think that's on the table if they really love Asante Samuel Jr. They want to stick at 47 and take a corner. Ifeatu Melifanwu, the corner out of Syracuse, big guy, fluid, um, more fluid than, than you would expect a guy at that size. I think he'd fit really well playing uh, you know, in the man-heavy scheme that Staley is implementing. So those are two guys, but, but keep an eye out on the safeties too. Um, there's some safeties falling here. Javon Holland. Trevon Mora got a TCU. People thought he would be a first-round pick. Richie Grant, if they really feel like they need a safety and they, and they prioritize, that, prioritize that over corner, I could see that as well. And I'll stop there just to leave some names for uh, Gil and Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> Gil, Sorry, guys. what do you got? I think I think Popper just named the all 256 in the uh, 2021 NFL draft. For you. I left the edge players <laughs> for you, Gil. Thank you. I was actually looking at, at the graphics from yesterday. I'm kind of shocked that Aziz Ojolari from uh, Georgia was not taken. Yeah. Look pretty nice next to Joey Bosa. They need edge rushers. They're kind of thin there. I know that they have no Usu there, but after those two guys, there's not much there. And as you know, in football, there's always injuries. So you see Aziz there, or maybe even trade up in the second round. He's a very talented player. So I'm kind of surprised seeing that right now. He did not make it in the first round. So he would be a good, thanks, great thanks, fit with the Chargers. Thanks to medical issues with him. They, they, there's something leaked like a couple of days before the draft that he has like a degenerative lower leg issue, but I'm with you. That guy's, I mean, that guy's, he, Dane Brugler, our draft expert, had him as the number one edge prospect in the draft. So that could be a great value pick. I'm with you. And Hey, the chargers do have a pair of third rounders. So, you know, we saw them last year uh, move up to, to get their guy in Kenneth Murray. You, you never know if, if there's a guy who's appealing enough in the second round, maybe you move up. What about you, Jeff? 
Uh, I'll tell you what I'm impressed with is that Daniel knows how to pronounce the Syracuse cornerback's name. Give it to us again. What is it? Ifiatu Melathonwu. So to give you an idea where I am, I, I saw that guy's name during the week here, and I realized I'm not going to learn how to pronounce it unless the Chargers <laughs> draft him. <laughs> so, so if they he just passed on him, if they I, hope, I, hope, I hope we, I hope the Chargers <laughs> draft him, and we can go back to this clip right here. Jeff if took they, him if, off the big board because his name was too long. I, just, I can't deal with that at this point in my life. I, it's too much. So I'll, I'll, I love that. I'm going to go with him. I want, I want the Chargers to take him now. That's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. The one, the one thing I will say is the other thing too is uh, I think there's a chance they could take a tight end here. Um, you know, they do need another. There's tight some end. good ones on the board too, and there and there's some good ones, and they and they do need another safety. Uh, so you know, but I I wouldn't be shocked if they if they take a a tight end here pretty quick. So hours don't exist during the draft, man. This is we're, we're taping this really early on Friday morning. Uh, I'll see you guys on Pressers really late tonight. Appreciate you spending some time. Always love doing this. Our Beat Writers Roundtable, Daniel Popper, Gil Manzato, and Jeff Miller.